Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Amen. He is truly a good, good father, even, even when times are difficult, right? Did we learn that this morning? Uh, that we sang, it, it was, I wish you guys could have seen from the perspective of being up here when we were singing about his way is better, you know? And, uh, and then I said, well, what about when his way is suffering? And it just, I'm telling you, uh, the atmosphere just changed a little bit, didn't it? And yet, by the end of the time that we spent together this morning, I believe the Spirit and the Word testified that God is good even to use suffering and difficulty in our life, right? We agree with that tonight. As we grabbed our Bibles and joined together, if you will, make your way there to the end of 1 Peter chapter 1, and uh, we're going to finish up chapter 1 and start on over into chapter 2, if that'll be all right. Well, you know I'm just messing. I'm going to do it. And uh, I'm just glad you're here, and I look around this room and think about uh, the journey that we've been on this almost 18 years together. I'm so thankful for God, and I'm so thankful for you. You know, every heart adds to the atmosphere. I was sitting there listening to you guys sing. Well, I was singing too, but I was listening to you guys sing, and I, I was thinking about what a beautiful thing it is to hear the people of God singing out. Uh, it's just something about a group of people in a room that want to be there, and the purpose of their heart is to worship the Lord. Uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you for singing out loud. Thank you for uh, not worrying about what anybody thinks, but just singing to the King. First Peter chapter 1, beginning tonight. You all know where we finished up, so we're going to pick up right where we left off in verse number, come on, say it like you mean it. 22, verse number 22. All right, let's dive in. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 22. Now, I, for the foreseeable future, it appears to me that in my time with the Lord, we're going to walk through 1 Peter together. And so if you want to read ahead, you go ahead and read ahead. And you guys know how whenever God puts me to preach through a book, and he does that from time to time, I'll do that not just on Sunday mornings, all right? So make sure that you're here. Don't miss unless you just have to. And if you have to, go back and listen so that you can catch up because we'll do them congruent, right? We'll do them one at a time, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, till we finish the book if that's what the Lord so desires. And I feel that is what he's calling us to do. So uh, you buckle in, all right, and uh, read ahead and study and encourage and let your quiet time in the morning be ahead of where we're going, and your heart will be primed and ready, and we'll be on the same page. And I'm just excited about uh, how we walk this journey together, okay? The title of our message tonight is Living Hope Part 2. How about that? Living Hope Part Number 2. This morning, we determined that the first part of First Peter, uh, he said that we have a living hope, and that living hope is found in who? Jesus. By the resurrection from the dead, right? Jesus' resurrection from the dead. And based on that, uh, we think tonight about the power of the resurrection and the difference that that has made. And so we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse number 3. All right, that's what we're going to cover together tonight. And the power of that resurrection. Then he talked about all that comes with the power of that resurrection and a relationship, a born-again relationship with God. Just sort of some review. He said that part of that is an inheritance. Now, now where is your inheritance? Somebody help me. Where is it? And in heaven. And we've talked about the beauty of heaven and how we ought to be motivated and encouraged that our city that we belong to, our citizenship belongs somewhere other than Rankin County, Madison County, Hines County. Our citizenship belongs in, if you're born again, in heaven. Isn't that good news? 
I'm a citizen of heaven. I'm just down here for a little while, but I'm a citizen of heaven. And we talked about the inheritance that doesn't fade. It's undefiled. And that Jesus Christ purchased that for us. And that the salvation we have in him is kept not by our good deeds. It's not kept by our performance. But remember, he said it's kept by the power of God through faith unto that day of our full glorification. So then we talked a little bit about all that wonder and beauty. And then he said, but you rejoice in this, but now, though need be, you're going to be grieved in various trials for various times. Now, let me ask you a question for the group, all right? How many of you, based on what we've read so far in First Peter, that agree that, that trials are beneficial? Raise your hand if you've gotten that so far, that trials are beneficial for the child of God. All right. Now, at the same time, how many of you hope that you have some trials this week? <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. See how that works? Your way is better, Lord, but I really don't want to suffer. I really don't want to have any hardship. Um, uh, but tonight, I pray that as God continues to work on me and you and shape us, that we become the people that maybe don't ask him for it, but when it comes, we embrace it and we ask God to teach us and reveal himself to us in new ways so that we don't waste all of our energy trying to dodge it, you know? We don't waste all of our energy praying that it would go away. Instead, we just pray that God would teach us and hold us and reveal himself to us, and we would get the full uh, purification of our faith that comes in these trials. Okay, then this morning we talked about uh, living before God and how that ought to look. In other words, what does living hope look like, okay? And there was some very pointed, straightforward direction, so simple a child can understand. you agree with that? Say amen. It was very simple, wasn't it? Now, I didn't say easy. I said simple. Very simple to understand, but very difficult to play. Let me say why it's so difficult. Our flesh gets in the way. And that's the one obstacle that we face, okay? So tonight, we're going to pick up in verse number 22, and he's just said that through Jesus, we believe in God who raised him from the dead and gave Jesus glory so that your faith and hope are in God. And now we're going to pick up in verse number 22, and I want to encourage you to stand to your feet in honor of reading God's Word. As you're standing, I'm going to remind you that Peter wrote this letter, Chicken Little Peter, that turned into Roaring Lion Peter, who would not testify of Jesus before one person, became the man who testified of Jesus in front of thousands, and thousands were saved in one day as he was preaching the Word. And so he transformed by the resurrected power of Jesus and the presence of the Spirit of God in his life. And I'm thankful. That means there's hope for me and there's hope for you. Listen, you may not be where you want to be. You may not be as far down the road in your Christian walk as you wish you were. But the good news is he's still working on you. And he's promised he's going to finish that work just like he did in Peter. He's going to finish it in you and me. So let's draw near to him, okay? And uh, as the journey continues tonight, we find this letter was written to encourage people who are facing hardship. They're facing difficulty, persecution. We would expect him to say, y'all just hug each other and don't worry about how you act. Don't worry about how you act. It's, hey, we'd expect him to say, our flesh would expect him to say, hey, you know what? You're going through a lot of hard times. It's all right if you blow your testimony. Don't worry about it. But in fact, we don't see that. We, say, hey, we see him saying, you've got a perfect opportunity in this difficult time to shine the light of the Lord Jesus Christ by how you live out your living hope, okay? Now, pick up in verse number 22. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently and with a pure heart. Having been, y'all say it with me? Born again, second time. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Because, now listen, here's what he says, uh, declaring about the Word of God from the Old Testament, all right? He said from Isaiah 40, 6 through 8, all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away. But the Word of the Lord endures for how long? Forever. Now, this is the Word which by the gospel was preached to you. 
This is, he's talking about the word of the gospel. Verse number 1 of chapter 2. Therefore, lay aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. As newborn babes, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is, y'all say the word with me, gracious. Gracious meaning gives what is not deserved. Gracious, okay? Uh, gives what we've not earned. All right, let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Would you bow with me for just a moment? Uh, Father, I thank you for another opportunity to preach your gospel. I thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to be shaped by your gospel. I thank you, O oh God, for another opportunity to put on display the power, the mighty power of your spirit to use a less than ordinary man to accomplish your plan. Now, Father, I pray as I surrender to you just now, I pray that your spirit would overwhelm my faculties, Lord, my mind, my heart, my tongue, and it'd be as if it was you only speaking to me through my own body. And, Lord, that you'd do it through my tongue and my lungs, and that, God, the gift you've given me by your spirit, you'd preach your word in such a way we'd leave out of here with full understanding and vision shaped by your word, and our lives would model a living hope that we have in Jesus. And, Lord, as you preach through me, would you also preach to the deep, dark areas of my heart, God? I, like anybody in this room, desperately need you to speak to me and do a work of grace tonight. So please, let us hear your voice intimately, specifically, personally, and may our lives be transformed by it. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, and all of the children of God said, amen. amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. All right, let's rewind back to the beginning here, the enduring word. You see that little title there in your New King James Version, most likely? 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 22. Let me give you the main idea. And listen, it's going to build on this morning's, okay? So this morning's was followers of Christ live differently, right, even in difficulty. Uh, but tonight we're going to just sort of say that another way and add a little something. Here it is. Followers of Christ live different by the word of God. All right, so we're going to bring in some key elements of the live different. All right, now you just listen for what I'm telling you. Um, followers of Christ live different, and we're going to look at one specific area tonight of how we live differently, and it's going to be the area of love towards each other. And then we're going to look at how we are able to do that, and it's going to be through the Word of God. Does that make sense to you tonight? I've given you the whole sermon. We might as well say amen and go to the house. Now, wait a minute. Some of y'all are like, really? Don't look. Y'all look way too excited right there. And uh, so I hope that you'll stay with me and let me flesh it out a little bit more in the next moments together, okay? So in your notes there, number one, and there are just going to be two, and each one is going to have a list of a couple of things underneath them. The first one is this. Write this down. Love one another. Just very simply put, what does he say to them in the midst of their difficulty? Love one another with a fervent love, a pure love, a real love, an unhypocritical love. Love each other with a pure, sincere, real kind of love, a tangible love, an authentic kind of love. A love that is not just a Sunday morning, hey, I love you, but then when you're going through something, I, you can't find me. I can't find you. You never hear from me. There's no part of my life interacting with your life. And so what I want you to see here is that the imperative of love in connection with difficulty. How many of you would say that the love of another believer in your life, when you've gone through something difficult, the love of Jesus and somebody else has touched you in a way in your life that has, number one, grown you? Can anybody say you've grown by somebody loving you in a hard time? How about this? How many of you can say that you were maybe at a point in your life when you were just about to throw in the towel? And I don't mean necessarily suicidal, but maybe. But you were ready to throw in the towel on your faith. You were ready to throw in the towel of living for Jesus. And the love of Christ in another believer shared with you a card, a letter, a visit, a phone call, a meal. And that love, that tangible love changed you and you stayed in the race. Can anybody raise your hand? To that? Look how many hands are raised in the house uh, tonight. So let's just talk for a minute about what he's saying. Verse 22, since you have 
purified your souls in obeying the truth. How did they purify their souls? They obeyed the truth of the gospel. What is the truth of the gospel that's to be obeyed? Listen to me. What is the truth of the gospel that is to be obeyed? What's the command of the gospel? You ever ask yourself that? What's the command of the gospel? How in the world could Peter say they had obeyed this gospel, and because they obeyed the gospel, it purified their souls? You ready? They had to, what is the action of the gospel on, on, as far as it's concerned with man? And it is to receive, right? Now, that receiving requires a couple of things. First of all, repentance. And so, a, an action of my belief is that I'm going to repent, meaning I've come to the conclusion that where I am is not right with God. And I'm not worthy to be the boss of my own life. So, so repentance, I change mine, and therefore I change direction, and I turn to Jesus and confess him as Lord. Well, there's other things, right? There's, there's the confession, because the Scripture says you have to believe, and that believe is two part. It's to believe and, 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 and repent and receive. But then he says you have to confess with your mouth. Does anybody know what? That Jesus Christ. I wish y'all get a little. Some of y'all didn't get your nap tonight. All right, quick question. How many of you got a nap today? There's the problem. Y'all got to get y'all a nap and then get you a cup of coffee. Get you a nap early and then get you a cup of coffee, all right? So when you think about, listen to how he's, how he's expressing this difficulty and love, and he's fleshing this thing out. He said, you've purified, you've obeyed. When you obey, you, you must confess. Now, the word confess does not just mean say it with your mouth. The word confess literally means to agree with God because God has declared through the cross and most specifically through the resurrection that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, but a person, when they come to faith in Jesus, when they receive him as Lord, they have to, with their heart, believe, and the belief is expressed through a confession. In other words, I agree with you, God, that Jesus really is Lord above all things. He's the Messiah, the anointed one, the only way for man to be right with God. And so he said, you've obeyed that gospel. You've received, you've, you've repented, you've confessed, you've, you've stepped into faith, your faith into this relationship with God. He says, since you purified your souls in obeying the truth, isn't it interesting he didn't say, since you purified your souls by, and going back to this list, uh, not conforming to the former lust, uh, by being holy, by, by, he didn't say that. He said, by obeying this truth, the truth of the gospel. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you glad your salvation is not based upon how you can live it out? Freeze us up, doesn't it? But be careful that it's not a, a trap, a crutch, to say, I'm just going to keep being who I'm being because it's, well, he did it all anyway, okay? So he says, you've obeyed this truth through the Spirit and sincere, here it is, in sincere love of the brethren. In other words, the gospel has transformed you into an agent of what? Love. Love. The kind of love that says, I'm here for you and you're here for me. He says, uh, uh, sincere love of the brethren. Listen to what he says. Love one another fervently with a pure heart. Now, that fervently is a word that lends itself to white hot, internal, from the inside out, without any kind of hypocrisy. In other words, uh, if I say that I love you, my actions are going to support that. Well, what are some ways that you and I can, if we're not careful, hypocritically love somebody? Well, we can say, I love them, and I love them so much, and then when nobody else is around, can you believe so-and-so? Do you see how they were dressed? you see what they're doing? Look at their life. Look how they're dressed. Look how much weight they've gained. Look how, oh, I can't believe it. And, and we just, um, just bad-mouth them, and we poor-talk them, and that's hypocritical love. 
Uh, it's what James said about the tongue. He said, with one side of our mouth, we bless God and, and praise Him, but then we have man who's created in God's image, and the other side of our mouth, we'll run them down, talk negative about them, do, do you see? And he said, these things ought not so. A spring shouldn't have salt water and fresh water coming out of the same source. No, no. We ought to instead have a love that is genuine. We ought to really care for each other. There ought to be in you a deep desire and concern for every born-again child of God. And here he's speaking specifically of love for the brethren. Now, listen, I'm not saying to you we shouldn't love uh, lost people. You understand? Uh, it makes uh, perfect sense that we should love the lost because who, who loves the lost? Uh, God loves the lost. Jesus loves the lost. But specifically in context, he's talking to believers. And he's saying, you're going to have to love, y'all help me, one another. Sometimes some of the hardest people to love, I can't believe the preacher's about to say this. Sometimes some of the hardest people to love on planet earth are professing Christians. Because we, you know, we say one thing and we live in something totally different. But the truth of the matter is we all have bad days. Anybody agree that sometimes you say the wrong thing? Anybody besides me ever say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing? And because of that, we can be sometimes hard to love. Sometimes we let each other down. Sometimes we get so focused on what we've got going on that we miss out on thinking of each other. But here's what he's saying here. He's saying to them, you've got some situations. You, you've lost things in this fire, and you're being persecuted for it. And because of your faith in Jesus, the persecution is great, and it's going to grow. And so in order for you to make it out there in this dog-eat-dog -dog world is that you can't be the dogs eating the dogs. It's dog-eat-dog -dog out there, but this is supposed to be dog-love-dog. -dog. I wish somebody would pick up what I'm putting down. In here, it's supposed to be. And I'm not talking about in this room. I'm talking about in this family. You, you're talking about Hickory Ridge? No, I'm talking about, I'm talking about every born-again professing believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm supposed to have a fervent, genuine, right off the bat, before I even know your story, if you tell me that you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there ought to be in me, in my spirit and your spirit bearing witness, that I love you and you love me. And he said they're going to have to be together. Listen to me. How many of you know that the world hates us? And that's not going to get better. It's going to get worse. And because of that, we can slightly relate to the people, audience that Peter was writing to because uh, the same way that they needed each other to be in a love relationship with each other, we also need each other to be in a love relationship with each other so that when we go out there, we have some folk that will help prop us up on our lean inside. Uh, you know, sometimes we have a lean inside like those old barns you ride by and that thing's over. It looks like it just any little breeze is going to blow it over, Right. And you and I are supposed to be love, right, the activity of love that helps prop each other up on our leaning side. And so Peter's telling them, listen, it's, it's difficult out there, and you're going to have to love each other. The gospel has transformed you into an agent of love. And so now the love of Jesus ought to be in you, but also flowing out of you. You know, the Word of God says that you and I ought to dream about ways that we can stir up love in each other. Did you know that the Word of God says that about me and you? We ought to lie in bed sometimes and think about it. Let me see how I can love on so-and-so and help them love more. How can I love on so-and-so and encourage them to keep going? And so you and I ought to be considerate of that. Love one another, first of all, because what I'm telling you here, little number one under Roman number one is this. It is who we are. It is who we are. That's what I just proved. We are agents of love because of the gospel transforming us, Jesus living inside of us. We are now agents of love, so it's who we are. Why would I love you? Why would you love me? It's who we are. Followers of Jesus, it's all very simple. We should love. How do, why should we love? Because he gave us an example to follow. Matter of fact, he told his disciples, I'm giving you a new commandment, that you love one another. Do you remember what he said? Love one another as I have loved you. Wow. That means I'm supposed to love you unconditionally, sacrificially, and I'm supposed to demonstrate it. 
And so are you. You're supposed to love me that way. And the person beside you and over there and every person in here claims to be born again, we're supposed to love like Jesus. Number two under Roman number one is just right in the next verse, in verse number 22, second part of 22, into verse 23 and 24. And that is this. So love one another, number one, because it is who we are. But number two, because the word of God is powerful and eternal. Now let me explain what I mean. The word of God is powerful and it is eternal, okay? So listen to what he goes on to say at the end of verse 22. He says, love one another fervently with a pure heart, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through, and how is it that you and I were born again? Through what? The Word of God. Did you know that necessary for salvation is the Word of God? Think about that now. Necessary for salvation is the Word of God. Paul told Timothy, it is able to make you wise unto salvation. Where under heaven am I going to find out how a person can be saved and born again apart from the Word of God? Not the farmer's almanac, not the high, watchtower, high tower, none of this extra biblical nonsense that people peddle. I'm telling you, the only place you're not going to find, the place we'll find wisdom for salvation is in the very Word of God. Listen, we always call it our Bible. It's, it re- we really, we, somehow or another, we dropped off the holy for some reason. And really, it's the holy Bible, right? And so let's consider that as we, as we continue to walk. So he says, he says having endured, we've been born of the, of, uh, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. And how was, our, how was our faith? How did we become this new creation? It was through the Word of God. And now he's going to testify a little bit about the Word of God. He said, he says, the Word of God lives, are you all reading with me? Lives and abides forever. It's eternal. Because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. And the grass withers and it flower falls away. But the Word of the Lord endures forever. It is the Word of God that brought about salvation into your life through the Spirit of God and through your confession and faith and hope and repentance and receiving Jesus. And because of that, we need to understand that the Word of God endures forever. It is the place where you and I go to find truth. It's the place you and I go to find direction and encouragement and everything we need for this life. So then, number one, love. Y'all help me. One another. Are you able to put together the pieces? Difficulty requires love, right? If I'm facing hard, difficult pressure from every side, I need to be able to depend on you to love me through it. And as you go through it, we all go through it, we need to depend on each other to love us on through it. Sometimes just a simple phone call can mean everything, can it? This morning I woke up and I was tired. I've been a long weekend, long week, and, and I woke up and I was just sort of drained when I first got up, and I got a text message for somebody. And that guy put a, put a word of encouragement on me. Son, I stood up taller. I was ready to come on and preach. I was waiting on y'all to get here. It wasn't but like 5.30, and I was still at home pacing the floor. And I said, man, it's never going to, time is never going to get here. And uh, just simply because they thought about me and loved me through an encouraging word, gave me some scripture and told me some encouragement. And uh, aren't you thankful uh, for love in action? Okay, so uh, love one another. It is who we are. And number two, the word of God is powerful and Eternal, and it tells us that we should love one another. But number two, here's the second imperative. Now, an imperative is just what the word is challenging us to do. Okay, so the first thing that word that Peter is challenging them to do, and the Holy Spirit is challenging us to do, is to number one, what love one another. That's the first thing we're challenged to do. Okay, second thing we're challenged to do is going to be this: desire the word. <clears throat> we're going to be desire. We're going to be challenged to do two things as we walk through difficulty together, and we will. Number one, to love one another with a different, fervent, internal, authentic love that is expressed in action and being there for one another. And number two is to desire the word. And by the way, one produces the other. One produces the other. Now, what I've learned about this life 
is that you can't fake desire. Are you with me? Do you know the things you desire you do? And the things you desire, do you know you talk about them? And the things you desire, do you know you research them? It's amazing to me how many experts we have because of Dr. Google. And because if it interests you, you will what? Google it. I hear it all the time. Hey, so so, I love it. I hear conversations, and, and I, I've gotten to where you can ask my family, I'll kind of be, I always want to be the first one to say it. Somebody will ask a question, I say, Google it. Just Google it. You know, you'll find out, you research and look and check some stuff out. Now, you can find some crazy mess, right? <clears throat> and that's why I say we've all become experts of really about nothing. And so, let me say to you this. Uh, you can't fake desire, but when desire is there, you can't hold it down. When you desire something, when it's on your mind, when it's on your heart, uh, you'll research it. You'll invest in it. You'll buy uh, the things necessary for the woodworking or the things necessary to catch the fish. You, you'll research it. You'll invest in it. It will, listen, it will, in essence, it will encompass you, right? It'll, it'll just sort of saturate what you do. And what if, what if in our lives that was the Word of God? How different would your life be if you truly desired the Word of God. I oftentimes reference a Bible study software program that I have, and I love it because I can sit in my seat, and I've got access to about 45,000 volumes, commentaries and articles and research and all kinds of stuff. I can sit right there, and I have all the translations of the Bible open at one time, and man, y'all see me, I'm like a crazy, I get to smiling and clicking and reading and researching, and, and, and I'm telling you, it, the original languages and all, I'm telling you, it's wonderful. And when I tell people it's Logos and, and how you guys, the church provided it for me, and I'm so thankful, man, I'm able to study and learn more so I can share more with you, but there are, are ways that you can buy it yourself, and people say, hey, I hear you talking about that, how much is it? I tell them, whoa, 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 I can't spend that, I can't spend that. I say, hey, hey, hang on a second, tell me how much, and then they get kind of funny. Hey, how much you pay monthly on that four-wheeler? And they look kind of funny. You know, they look, y'all know the funny look, that funny look, some of y'all got it right now. I know that look, I wish I'd give you a snapshot of that and show you, it's funny, they ought to have a meme with it, you know. And so we spend money on what we, oh, somebody read my mind. We spend money on what we desire. And we invest in what we desire and we research what we desire and we spend time with what we desire. That's true. And you know it and I know it. So what if we tonight really sought the Lord and asked him to give us, because we listen, you can't fake it. If we ask him to give us a holy desire for his word. Now listen to what Peter says to them. Now remember, they're facing all kinds of persecution. It, it, listen, we're here, I could hear it in America be like this. Listen, your house is gone and they're, they're, they're after you about, you know, your faith and they're, they're threatening your life. Don't worry about reading your Bible. You ain't got time for that. Don't worry about praying. Don't worry about looking into the Word of God. You don't have time for that. You need to be busy building your house and getting your stuff back together. And, but on the contrary, here's what. The Holy Spirit says through Peter. You reading with me? Anybody? No, nobody? I'm going to read anyway. Y'all just listen in, okay? Now, this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. Now, chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all... Now, preacher, I thought you said crave, desire the word, okay? Well, before I can desire the word, and this is going to be a list of three, I have to, number one, spit out the pacifiers. Y'all know what the pacifier is? You know that little plug you stick in, the, in a child's mouth? and they suck on that thing, and it gets them quiet for a little bit, it, passes, it doesn't satisfy. Listen, there's a difference. It just sort of gets them through. Are you with me? 
And so a pacifier is not a satisfier. I wish you'd write that somewhere because I'm going to build a picture here and you're going to get it. Many of us are wasting our lives away with pacifiers that dishonor God. When what we ought to be desiring is the satisfier, which is the milk, the true milk of his word. So what are the pacifiers? What are the things that we, that we do instead to pacify ourselves, okay? Uh, chapter 2, verse 1, laying aside all malice. That's, uh, that's evil will towards somebody else. And so sometimes we, we occupy our minds and our hearts with malice towards another person. It's a pacifier, not a satisfier. You can chew on it and suck on it, and it'll just sort of get you by, and you can marinate in it and stay angry and bitter and have malice in your mouth, and you may even excuse it because you think you got good reason, and you'll never be satisfied because you're just simply being pacified. Now, what's the next thing in the list? Malice, all deceit. It's when we're lying. It's when we're putting on a, a show for one thing or another. It's, it's, in essence, here in the context, it is saying I love you but never expressing it. Saying I love you but never having time to do some cooking for you or some praying for you or some visiting with you. Always too busy with my business. Always too busy with my family. Always too busy with my interests. It's a, it's a deceitful thing for me to say I love you but never ever have an expression of it that you can see. Boy, it got quiet in here. And that's a pacifier, not a satisfier. And there are some of us in our lives, we're walking around like a, uh, a 16-month-old with a pacifier in our mouth, and we're missing out on what would happen if we would crave the milk of God's Word instead of being pacified by having deceit and malice. But wait, he's not through. Uh, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, to say one thing and not do it, to say one thing and act like this, this and then do something else. Oh, it pacifies you for a little bit, but it's empty. You'll go to bed with an empty stomach. And you'll be unsatisfied. You'll, there'll be an unfulfilled thirstiness in your soul, that malice and envy and, 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 and deceit, none of that stuff will feel. It feels good to say it about them in the moment. It feels good to run the game and look like the Christian part for the moment, but it's only a pacifier. It's not a satisfier. It won't get you through. And all deceit, hypocrisy. What's the next word? Envy. And my goodness, doesn't social media have that on the rampant? Envy. I wish our relationship was like theirs. They're always touring the country. All they do is hold hands. I think they're locked in an eternal kiss. They never stop kissing. And yet, none of us are foolish enough to think that's real life. But we'll still be eat up with envy, wishing we had what somebody else portrays they have. It's a pacifier and not a satisfier. To continue to envy, to just hold on to that, because it feels good. Sometimes, listen to me, sometimes these negative things like deceiving and envying and having deceit and hypocrisy, it feels good for the moment. It's like putting a pacifier in a baby's mouth, but it will not satisfy the longing of their little tummy. Now, let me read a little further, okay? So he says, not only the malice and the deceit and hypocrisy and envy. Now, listen, you understand why these things would be so detrimental to the body of Christ when they have all these, I'm just going to say dogs attacking on the outside? And the world is hating and, and, and trying to teach our babies uh, things in the school that are ungodly and unbiblical about genders and, and all kinds of nonsense. And I'm telling you, there's all this. And when the first one of us that stands up and says, listen, that's not right. That's mental illness. It's confusion. It's not based on the Word of God. And they'll jump on you and attack you and the rest of us. Listen, it's why we are supposed to lay aside. We can't talk now. Why in the world would we run each other down with our mouths when the world is doing that already? And what, I, what we should do is encourage each other. 
and make sure that we are shaping our thoughts and our, by the power of the Spirit and the Word uh, to encourage each other and cheer each other on to the finish line. Because not many days from now, our time's going to be up here. Not many days from now, our little quick run through this life uh, in a foreign land as sojourners, the time's going to be up. And we're going to be seeing, those of us who've been born again are going to be seeing Jesus for all eternity. And it's worth it. It's worth it to say, God, change me. I want to I wanna be an agent of love. I want to be one who craves, but i got to spit out the pacifier and get on the milk. Anybody with me? Oh, so we've got to get the pacifier out before we can ever get on the milk. So then he's, he adds to this list all evil speaking. Uh, I ought not ever say evil things about you, and you ought not ever say evil things about me, but it happens, doesn't it? And I'll say this to you. When people say evil things, now, now I'm going to share something else with you. Now, we also, not only should we not uh, evil speak about each other, but we ought to take up for one another as well. And uh, there have been on many occasions when I've heard somebody, they don't, they don't know who I was, and they say something about one of you guys, and I say, hang on, hang on. I know them, and I love them. And you may feel that way about them, but I'm, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to move on and talk about the weather. Look how pretty it is outside. And we're not going to, y'all with me? And as far as I can tell, this person is this and this, and I'm, we're not going to, and so it's time, listen, it's past time for the people of God to be encouragers with our mouths. But listen, we've got, we have these pacifiers stuck in there. It feels good to tell somebody else up. It feels good, to, doesn't it? We feel better about ourselves. I wish y'all would come on with me now. I'm feeling like I'm the only person in the room that's a rascal. And sometimes it feels good to us, doesn't it, to talk about somebody else and look down at somebody and envy what they have and, and second guess and all of that nonsense. But listen, we've got to get those pacifiers out. It's time for us to take the pacifiers out tonight tonight. So let's move on. Spit out the pacifiers. Number two, crave the word and grow through a steady diet of it. Listen to what he says here. This is so interesting to me. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking. So we take the pacifiers out. Number two, you see it? Verse number two, as newborn babes, what are we supposed to do next? Desire the pure milk of the word that you may Grow thereby. Y'all have done got completely quiet on me. What's going on? The pacifier's deal is true, right? Amen? Now, let's let's move to the next positive thing, okay? Here we go. Y'all, come on. We got to come out of the pacifier section. And now we're coming into as newborn babes desire the pure milk. Listen, I've never seen uh, an entity on planet Earth desire something as painfully as a baby will desire milk. You hear me oftentimes talk about the pain of want to and the fact that contentment is the opposite of the pain of want to. Contentment is when the pain of want to is gone and I'm satisfied with what I have. But the opposite of contentment is the pain of want to. I want something so bad it hurts. Uh, Would you agree with me that babies make very evident that they are hurting for some milk? I heard somebody say just this last week about their baby. They said, I said, that baby never cries. And they said, no, she's happy all the time. And I said, that's not fair. None of mine, none of mine and Tina's were like that. <laughs> and I said, you got to be kidding. They said, no, no. And, and then the child started to cry a little bit. I said, oh, and they said, oh, well, the only time she cries is when she's, mm. even the best of babies, even the best of babies. When I say best, you know, don't cry a whole lot. Even they crave, cry when they crave, when they hurt, when they desire that milk so much. They know there's a pain in their body, and the pain in their body can only be satisfied by some milk. 
And, and what Peter's saying to them, listen, with all the distraction around you, with all the loss that you're facing, with all the persecution and threats that you're receiving, in the midst of that, what you have to do is not, listen, try harder. Uh, what you have to do is not just uh, uh, read, you know, uh, the Farmer's Almanac and Facebook and watch the news, uh, keep up with current events and all that nonsense. Would you believe I had somebody tell me the other day, uh, I can't believe, preacher, that you say you never watched the news and you hadn't watched the news in a couple of years. And I said, why can't you believe that? Well, I just think you need to be clued into what's going on in the world. And I said, why? Why do I need to be clued in? Well, so that, and they just sort of looked at me. I said, tell me, why should I keep up with current events? Well, so that you'll, you know, be able to see what, you know, the end time. I said, well, go ahead. Well, so that you can know the signs of the, I said, Jesus said nobody knows the signs, that only the Father knows the time. Son don't even know the time. And I said, I don't need to watch it. I don't have to watch it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to instead invest that time in the, the word of the living God. And what will happen is I'll be informed by a truth that endures the test of time. It was before WLBT, it'll be after WLBT. And what I have found is the truth of the matter is that I'm supposed to live. See, if I watch the news, it may fool me into thinking that Jesus may come back a year from now. When I'm supposed to live as if it's today. And the news and current events are not what instruct my vision on the coming of Christ. It's the Word of God. And it could be today. And so I want to make disciples. See, a lot of people, they're trying to figure out the end times, and they're missing the point of it. The point of it is that go out and make disciples. You ought to be having Bible study at your, at your workplace. You ought to start it this week. You don't have time to wait. You ought to be sitting down and discipling somebody one-on-one. You don't have time to wait. Stop worrying about the signs. And know it could be next week, and you'll be held accountable for not doing the things Jesus instructed you to do. Boy, that was some pure milk, wasn't it? And so I wished unto God that you and I would get a desire for the Word of God because it changes everything. It changes everything. It, it informs and shapes every role you've been given, every decision you've got ahead of you, every situation you'll go through, every mountaintop, every valley, every situation you go through, the Word of God will inform you and instruct you, and the Spirit of God will take that Word and bring it to your remembrance, and He'll give you the guidance to carry on what you've learned into the moment. I'm telling you, it's the most amazing thing, isn't it, to feed a steady diet of the Word of God. And some of our lives, listen, and some of our lives, now listen, I want to say this to you just straightforward in love. Here it is. Some of our lives indicate that we are not spending a steady time, a steady, we're not receiving a steady diet from the Word of God. Are you with me? Some of our lives, it's, I mean, it's just, you, you, don't, you may not, now let me tell you something about me and you. We think we hide it well, but we don't hide it well. Uh, Gerald and I talked about this in the past. Sometimes people say things and do things. And it's like you're holding a neon sign that says, I did not spend any time with Jesus this morning. And I want you just to think about that for a minute. I'm not saying we'll be perfect if we do. I'm saying we'll be different if we do. It's real hard to, you know, have a continual lifestyle of immaturity if I'm spending a steady diet on the milk of the Word of God. He says you got to crave it. There ought to be a pain in there that says, I've got to get to it. There ought to be a pain that says, I'm going to keep trying. See, some of us use the excuse, I can't understand it. And so we just sort of quit trying. And we have to keep trying, and we have to crave it. Listen, we have to crave it. We have to keep wanting. I, I remember some children in the past that, that man, the, 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 the formula would make them throw up, and they'd be allergic to it. But I'm telling you, you know what they did? They'd keep on trying. They were still craving it. They'd have to try and swap and swap. And you know, Some of y'all moms and dads know what I'm talking about, don't you? Because the craving never stopped. And may God give me you a craving 
that we will keep on until we get it, until the Spirit of God helps us to get it. Uh, let me move on if I can. You, you can understand tonight I'm very passionate about, about the Word of God because I know it's the only hope you and I have of being transformed. It is the, it's the living Word of God. So first, we've got to spit out the pacifiers. Number two, crave the Word and grow through a steady diet of it. Listen to what he says. You crave it because you will grow by it. It will grow you. Did you know you spend time in the Word of God, you can't help but grow? You read through it every day. I had a guy tell me one time, well, I'm, I'm reading every day. I don't understand it. I'm reading every day. He said, but you know what I've noticed? And his wife started telling me some things that were different in his life. I said, isn't that crazy? Like, he said he didn't understand it. He's reading it every day. He's just being faithful to read. He doesn't really understand it, but his life's changing through it. Isn't that crazy? That's the power of the Word of God. Uh, so that you will grow thereby. Uh, grow. In other words, no, we won't be immature in our faith. So, two, crave the Word and grow thereby. And then number three, and this is going to tie right back into that, respond to His grace. Respond to his grace. Now, let me tie in verse number three and help you to make a connection you may not have made before, okay? So we're talking here about, number one, love one another. Why? It's who we are, and because the word of God declares it, the word of God is powerful and eternal. Number two, we're to desire, y'all help me, the word. word. We're to desire, that's, boy, it's two very simple imperatives, isn't it? But in order to desire the word, we have to, come on, y'all gonna remember that one. You just like the lollipops and gumdrops. Y'all remember that one. Spit out the pacifier. What are they? Malice, envy, evil speaking, all that stuff that pacifies us but doesn't satisfy us. Second, we're going to have to crave the Word of God, and a steady diet of it will grow us, okay? But number three, I'm going to tie this together by saying, and this is, we're going to land the plane here, respond to His grace. Now, listen to what he says. Crave the Word and, and crave it in such a way. Spit out these things and put them away from you and, and fill yourself on the Word of God. Crave it like a newborn baby because a steady diet of it will grow you, okay? And, and then he says, if indeed you have tasted the Lord and, and tasted that the Lord is gracious. So listen to the connection. If I have tasted that the Lord is gracious, let's go back and connect it to what he began this with, my salvation, uh, their salvation. Could, could we agree tonight that God is gracious? Uh, could, could we just, on the basis of our eternal salvation, purchased with the blood of God's only Son, and knowing the fact that God paid Himself off, He redeemed us from Himself so that we wouldn't have to face His wrath. I can't even fathom that kind of love. That the King would leave the throne and die for His subjects, where you and I should have paid the price. He paid it for us. And He rose again. And then not only that, we weren't even looking for Him after He did that. He came looking for us. And He pursued us by His Holy Spirit. And He pursued us by other people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he, I, I say this, he ran us down, and we responded by faith and surrendered our life to Jesus, those of us who've been born again. And we would say we have tasted already that God is gracious. Is that logical tonight? We, we can, I believe 100% we could, by show of hands, can we agree? If you agree with the fact that you, by your salvation, have determined that God is gracious, I want you to raise your hand. Okay, all right, all right. So then. If we've tasted and seen, he's connecting that to craving his word. Now, let, let me just explain to you what I mean by that. If I believe that God is gracious, I believe that what he has recorded in here is gracious instruction. Listen to me. Gracious instruction. He did not have to go through the trouble to have 66 books by 40 different authors written over 1,500-year span of time that agree with each other completely and perfectly. It was interesting. Right down here, Shane and I had a conversation a minute ago. He said, I taught small group in the early worship time. I came to late worship, and he said, you taught the message that I preached from Colossians word for word from a different book of the Bible. He and I looked at each other, and I said, it's just like the Word of God agrees with itself, isn't it? 
He didn't have to graciously. He could just say, hey, listen, I love you all. I paid your price. I got you in the family, and I go figure it out. And we would just be bumping our heads, and we would be falling and struggling. We wouldn't know how to do marriage. We wouldn't know how to be men of God in a family. We wouldn't know how to be single people that honor God. We wouldn't know how to have a business that honors God. We wouldn't know how to go to class uh, as somebody who loves Jesus. And we'd have no idea how to do it, right? But he graciously gave us this word. But here's what we choose to do a lot of times. Leave it on the table and go figure it out the hard way. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick of that. Them knots hurt. Huh? The child of God ought not have to live the best lessons or bought lessons unless we live by the best lessons or bought by the blood of Jesus and are then therefore handed to us in the recorded word of God from Genesis to Revelation. And God graciously gives it. And he says, now, you don't deserve this great instruction. You don't deserve this great love letter. You don't deserve. You not not earned that. You don't deserve me to preserve this for all of these thousands of years so that you could have. You don't deserve for me to have men and women give their life, burned alive, because they translate into the language that you speak. You don't deserve. You and I don't deserve that. But God, uh-oh, graciously has given it to us. And yet we oftentimes leave it on the counter, leave it on the table, choose instead to check Facebook and choose instead to read novels and fiction and all manner of nonsense, and we wonder why we learn so many hard lessons. There's a way that seems right to man, and the end of it is destruction. But when there's a fear of God before their eyes, they look into the gracious Word of God and say, now, I want to spend a little time with Jesus first thing this morning and find out how to live my life for His honor and for His glory. Oh, tonight, I wish God give me and you a desire for His Word. That we, might, that we might respond graciously. We're reading, we say, oh, oh, this is how I'm supposed to treat my friend. Oh, 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 this is how I'm supposed to treat my husband. Oh, th- oh this is how I'm supposed to treat my parents. And, oh, this is how I'm supposed to. And that you and I would go out and glorify God because, listen, we need that instruction so that we can love each other because life is certainly difficult. And if we're going to go out in the midst of all of that, dog eat dog, and us live out our living hope, we're going to need each other. And we're going to need each other, listen, matured by the Word of God. Let's pray together. Would you bow with me? Oh, I'm so thankful tonight for the Word of God. I want to ask a question of the, of the, of the, audience, of the crowd tonight, of the faith family. All right, here's my question. Are you thankful for the Word of God? Do you, do you really see it tonight as inerrant, infallible? Do you see it as the breathed out Word of God by the Holy Ghost through human authors given unto us that we might taste the graciousness of God, not just at salvation, but for every area and avenue of our lives? Now, tonight, simply this. Two things we need to ask God to help us with. The first one is to help us to do what? Do you remember? Number one, love one another. So let's take just a minute in this time of invitation and ask the Lord to help us love one another. Just very simple, very simple tonight. Would you just ask the Lord to help you love your faith family more, more evidently, that we don't get lost in the, in the, in the bigness of it all? There are a lot of us. And so it's going to require all of us to actively love each other in order for everybody to be loved. Does that make sense to you? 
We need you cooking meals. We need you visiting. We need you serving. We need you. And so tonight as we consider that, God help us to love each other in a tangible way. Build each other up. Second thing we want to ask the Lord to do, y'all know what it's going to be, right? First, love one another. Second, desire the Word. Simple message, isn't it? Maybe you'd ask the Lord tonight, just just you and Him. First, I believe a, a great place to start would be a place of honest confession. Lord, I've not really desired Your Word. Just clear the air, you and him. God, I've not really desired your word. He doesn't eat at me. It, it doesn't hurt when I can't get to it. I don't, look, maybe tonight you just say something like this to God. God, I, I look at my life and honestly, Lord, I don't desire it like I, like I should. And just clear the air, you and him. Just be honest with him. He'll give you a new name. He'll change you. Ask Jacob. He'll, he'll touch you. I'm telling you, you'll leave out there walking a different way. And just humbly ask him. Something like this. God, I can't fake it. I've tried to make myself get up. I've tried to. But honestly, the reason I'm having to try so hard is there's no desire there. And just get honest with him. And ask him to help you. You know, he's the the great helper. You could just ask him tonight, God, would you please touch me right now, right in this moment? My question for you tonight as you're praying is, do you have the faith to believe that God could touch you right now and you'd wake up in the morning and the first thing you had to do was read the Word of God? Some of us don't even believe that, so we're not even praying that. But the Scripture says, whatsoever things you pray, believing you shall also receive. Would you believe tonight that you could ask God to reach down from heaven and touch your heart and your mind and that you would desire it more than you desire checking Facebook or social media or Instagram, whatever, and that you would wake up with a desire on your heart to get in the Word of God? He could do it. He could touch you right now. If you'll ask me, you'll believe it. Oh, God, help us to love each other and to desire your work.